This week's TribCast is sponsored by Texas State Technical College's Money Back Guarantee Program reinforces our commitment to prepare and place highly skilled, technically competent students in the workforce. Learn more at tstc.edu. And Raise Your Hand Texas. No matter what an education voucher is called, the policy is the same. Vouchers divert public funds to private schools and vendors. Get involved at RaiseYourHandTexas.org. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for February 10th, 2023. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics at the Tribune. And today on the Tribcast, we're going to talk about the state's economy, which over the last few months to a lay observer such as myself has seemed a little bit strange and hard to grasp. Uh, last year, as much as the country was worried about inflation, prices rose a little bit higher in Texas than the national average. Oil prices, such as which are such an important factor in the state's economy, declined for the second half of 2022. Housing prices have dipped in Texas's major metro areas since their mid-22 peak. And there was a a recent memo uh, from Goldman Sachs reported on by the New York Post predicting that Austin was one of four cities in the country that could see a 25% decrease in housing costs, a plunge that would mirror the 2008 housing crisis. Uh, But in Austin... Despite layoffs in the tech sector, um, you know, which the city is known for its tech uh, industry, the unemployment rate is around 2.6% right now. Statewide, the rate is under 4%. And Texas has led the nation in new jobs created in 2022. Uh, Many are predicting, um, including our guests, that the state is well positioned to withstand a national nationwide recession in 2023, if such a recession were to occur, which I think is a matter of its own discussion. Uh, Joining me this week to discuss this is uh, Pia Arrhenius, Vice President and Senior Economist for the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Hey, Pia, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here. So you recently gave a talk at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas in which you kind of shared your outlook on the Texas economy for 2023. And the takeaway of that, you can correct me if I'm wrong and having the wrong takeaway here, was that Texas seems to be in relatively good shape compared to the rest of the country. And if we were indeed to hit a recession, that we could it would possibly be less severe in Texas or maybe not a recession at all for the Texas economy. What, why, what are you basing that perspective on? And I guess, first of all, and is that, is that an accurate portrayal of your, your analysis there? Yeah, I think that's right, Matt. Uh, We are, I mean, we worked hard with our forecast for this year and uh, the best we could do was sort of a below trend growth rate. So we're, we're forecasting 1.4% job growth for Texas, which is, Below our trend growth, which is about 2%, uh, but it's still pretty good. And even if you take the range of the forecast, which is 0.7 to 2.2, you don't get into recessionary territory. So I think we are saying at the moment that, you know, even if the U.S. goes into a mild recession, Texas may not go down with the U.S. I think there's a chance that we could withstand that. Of course, if it were anything else, like a more... Uh, a deeper downturn, I think we would follow right after. So what makes Texas different than the rest of the country? Why why are we in a better position? There's a number of things. Uh, we ha- we typically grow faster than the nation. So we kind of have a Texas uh, growth premium baked into 
uh, our economy. So that kind of sustains us. Where does that come from? It comes from a number of places. I mean, the most obvious is the energy sector, which right now is doing quite well. Um, they're very robust, healthy. Energy prices are high and, uh, you know, production is increasing. So that's a big positive for us. Um, other uh, benefits that we have being in Texas is that we have a lot of migration into the state, both of people and firms. And the rate of migration actually increased uh, during the pandemic, which was rather unexpected, I have to say. Uh, but so that's been also allowing us to sustain, uh, you know, this growth premium that we that we've grown accustomed to. So between the energy and the in migration, uh, you know, we're doing pretty well. I want to talk about both of those topics, though. Let's let's zero in on the energy industry first. I mean, one of the things that um, you that that we've talked about in around the Texas economy for so long is just how the energy sector really kind of carries us and boosts us. Um, but you know, one of the things that that you mentioned in your kind of outlook on Texas is that we can't necessarily expect the same boost from the energy sector now as we did 10 years ago. Why, why, what made you say that? So uh, what we've seen is that over time, and part of it is, I think is going back to the fracking boom. And then we had really a very painful fracking bust, if you remember 2015 and 2016. Mm -hmm. So uh, between those, I think what's happened in the energy industry is they're not quite as, as eager uh to respond to prices as they used to be. So it used to be that prices would would spike. Uh, you know, if you remember 2014 and the rig count would go to over 900. Uh, well, now, you know, prices are, are pretty healthy, around $80, uh, but the rig count is, you know, just a little over 300. So we're not as price sensitive in terms of producing oil as we used to be. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. It gets pretty complicated, but I think just the big sort of thing I tell audiences is just that, you know, I think they've learned from the boom bust that we just went through with with energy, with the fracking boom, and then really what was a very severe downturn um, in 2015 and 2016. And I think that really put things into perspective. Rates of return were not that great in the energy industry for a long time. Um, and so I think there is some, you know, they call it capital discipline. I don't know if that's what it's called, but there's definitely a lot more thoughtfulness around engaging in new projects than they used to be. So does that mean that, I mean, as a lifelong Texan, you know, I hear the stories about the, the 1980s, you know, and the, the, the skyscrapers that were being built and the economy grinding to a halt and, you know, just kind of a catastrophe. Does that mean essentially the energy sector in Texas has kind of situated itself in a way that we're less prone to those major swings. I mean, where we, we, we can't expect that. I mean, I remember in the, the early days of the pandemic, right. When, when oil briefly went below zero, right. Um, there was this, Oh my God, what's going to happen to this state is what, are, is what you're saying is that we're a little bit more insulated from that kind of a shock these days. So, <clears throat> I mean, we haven't done any formal analysis of this, but it does seem that, we're more sophisticated or if the if the industry maybe is perhaps more mature in the sense that, uh, you know, we're reticent to go back to the boom bust scenarios. And you called out a couple of them. There were a few, more than one in the 1980s. And then, of course, we've had several more recent ones. 
And that, you know, they're, they're painful. They're painful for the energy companies. They're painful for the workers and the state economy. But of course, what happens when the industry doesn't ramp up energy activity like they used to when the price is there is that, you know, the rest of the economy gets a little bit less of a boost from the boom. But then if we don't have a bust, you know, it's less harmful for us as well. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for, a you know, a, a, a more steady, uh, steady hand in the energy industry, if you will, um, you know, from from for everyone's uh, benefit. So this is is you know i mean one of the lessons that we as texans were supposed to have learned from the those you know particularly 1980s booms and busts is we also need to diversify our economy i mean is that also part of it is it just a matter of we're less reliant on this economy as we were then um or or is it still that kind of big elephant in the room that um maybe just the elephant is behaving itself a little bit more uh, uh calmly there no, I mean, absolutely. So the the Texas economy is not nearly as dependent on uh, on energy as it used to be. I mean, it's been a rapid change. Too. I mean, even when I came here in 1999, there was still a lot of dependence on the energy industry. And at that time, you know, oil prices were just uh, or the oil production was really going down, down, down until the fracking boom turned it around. But there's been a just tremendous growth and diversification of the Texas economy and the economy can do very well. Um, even when the energy uh, industry is is in a lull, we saw that in 2015 and 2016. I mean, it was a close call, but we did grow significantly slower than the nation in 2015 and 2016 when the energy industry was in recession. And so that shows that we can withstand those um, those energy busts. And then, so I guess it stands to reason then when the energy sector booms, it's also a little bit of, of a less less of an impact. But it's mm-hmm. good that that we have such a diversified industry or, or economy, I should say, and and that, um, uh, you know, we have so many other leading industries, like you mentioned, high tech in Austin, that's a that's a big one. Uh, but there's so much more. I mean, there's defense industry, there's a whole professional business services, you know, with insurance and banking. So many of those firms are moving or expanding into Texas. And so that's really helped create, uh, you know, a safety net for an economy that used to be dependent on cotton cattle and, and oil. Mm-hmm. One thing that you said in your, your presentation that really stood out to me was that unemployment t- typically rises less in Texas than it does in the rest of the nation during recessions. That has been true. I think you said for in three of the last four recessions. Um, what, what does Texas have going for it that allows for, for that to be true? Okay. So not everybody likes the explanation, but so, <laughs> economics uh you know when there's shocks to the to the to markets you know you can respond in quantity or prices and so labor market is the same thing you shock the labor market maybe by raising interest rates uh and then you know the demand for workers is supposed to go down and when that happens and that hasn't happened yet but but if that happens and typically in the past when that's happened then the economy can adjust either through lower wages or less employment opportunities so fewer jobs or both of those and so if you have a very highly regulated labor market, you're going to it's going to be very difficult to adjust along the the wages margin. And you're going to adjust through the employment margin where people actually lose their jobs. So um, either way, the economy has to adjust now because we have a less regulated labor market in Texas. We tend to adjust more through wages than we do through through job loss. 
And so I think that's preferable in a recession. People rather keep their jobs. Maybe, you know, wages will not go up as much or sometimes like we saw in the financial crisis, wages can actually go down. Um, but but basically, I explain it. That is the main difference is that we have, uh, you know, a more flexible labor market that allows for wages to adjust and therefore uh, people don't have to lose their jobs to as large as an ex- uh, to as large as uh, an extent as they they may have to do in some of these more highly regulated, more unionized states. So yeah, I was going to ask you when you mean wage regulation. I mean uh, there is of course the minimum wage, right, which is 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 lower in Texas than in other states. But and then is is it it's also u- union policies and things like that? Are those the two main kind of regulations we're talking about there? It's also overtime rules. You know, a lot of states have very rigid rules about about overtime and about even you know hiring and firing. They they also mandate a lot of benefits, and we don't really have that in Texas. We kind of leave it up to the market. Now that's you know, there's always, you know, there's issues with that as well. But one benefit in a downturn, like I said, is that, uh, you know, employers can more freely move the wage and the benefit package around, and they don't necessarily have to lay off workers. The other thing that happens is when you don't have legislation or too many regulations, people are, firms are also able to, they know they can lay off workers if they have to. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's another that actually makes hiring workers easier for them. So that's another that's another sort of, um, you know, shock absorber for the Texas labor market. Music to uh, Greg Abbott's ears. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's pause for a second and hear from our sponsors. Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality health care to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com and Texas Cattle Feeders Association. There's nothing like the real thing. TCFA members raise high quality, nutritious and tasty beef for their families and yours. Real families, real beef. Learn more at tcfa.org or at Texas Cattle Feeders on social media. Okay, so Pia, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about the um, employment rate is, of course, that there was this unusual situation in, you know, post-pandemic recovery in which the unemployment rate in Texas actually got a little bit higher than the national average, um, something you hadn't seen in a while in Texas. What happened there? Yeah, so (laughs) we have to, we looked into it uh, quite a bit because we were puzzled by it as well. Um, especially when you look at the unemployment rate in the pandemic recession actually went up less here and we had a much faster recovery and we had much more job growth than the nation on average, but then our unemployment rate still stayed higher than the nation. And so by at least half a point. So that was, that was puzzling. So looking into it, it looks like uh, really uh, we have uh, more growth in our labor force. So that's really coming from two places. First of all, labor force participation recovered much faster here. And so we're actually back at our pre-pandemic level of labor force participation. And so people came back faster into the labor market in Texas than in the U.S. on average. The other thing that happened is this, and I mentioned it earlier, is this dramatic and unexpected uh, increase in migration into the state. And so now that was not international immigration, at least not until the last year or so. Remember, the borders were pretty much closed. What it was was domestic migration. So we just saw a giant, uh, you know, rise in, in migration rates uh, on net from places, especially California, but also New York and Illinois, other large states. 
is when you talk about people going into the labor market uh, at a, at a faster rate, is that a, is that a cultural thing? Is that, I mean, people taking the pandemic less se- seriously, is it a, because they had to, what, any, any sense of what the reason was for that? Well, um, there's a lot of reasons. I think a big one is that Texas reopened schools. Mm. So other large states like California, for example, they kept their schools closed from what I understand that whole school year. So 20, you know, fall 2020 and spring 2021, their schools were closed. Our schools were open. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, if you have small kids, but it's pretty hard to go to work if your kids, you know, <laughs> can't leave your kids unattended. So, uh, so opening schools, I think, had something to, you know, that let people go back to work. And then I think, you know, we also, frankly, had rolled back the safety net a little bit faster in Texas. I think, um, you know, our our state uh, ended unemployment benefits, if I'm not misremembering, earlier than um, than other states. And so there was a little bit less of a safety net here compared to the rest of the, the nation in terms of unemployment benefits. And so when that happened, that certainly also is uh, incentive for people to get back in the labor force. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, this podcast was re- recorded several times in my closet as I was hiding from my young kids. Um, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. So I, I want to get back to this topic of, of migration because I think that's really interesting. I mean, it does seem as, as what you're saying is that, you know, one of the big reasons Texas has fared so well is just because so many pe- people are moving to this state, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's been yeah. And it was surprising that it went up during the pandemic, I guess, with the work from home, people were more footloose and they were able, uh, you know, able to relocate. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that really struck me is um, the some of the the reporting that the, the Fed has done about, you know, the, the people who are moving here and how many of them are kind of disproportionately educated. Right. And and I. Uh, Something that you said that was, I think, really fascinating to me, this idea that um, the majority of new advanced degrees in this state are coming from people with advanced degrees moving here, as opposed to the state of Texas actually producing those advanced degrees in their own own schools and everything like that. I mean, in some ways, that seems great, right? Like attracting talent here is what states want to do. But it also seems like it could pose something of a long term challenge and, and raise some questions of the job that we're doing educating the people who are already here. Yeah, um, so absolutely. And we've actually published recently two things that show uh, that that sh- that really shine a light on the characteristics of the people that are coming to Texas from other states. And one of them actually in the our Southwest Economy magazine actually breaks down by master's, PhD, bachelor's degree and actually calculates and shows you uh, what shares of those uh, of that level of education among our workers that we're bringing in from from or through migration. And, and it's 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 astounding. It's very large. And so I think and the other the other piece, the blog that we wrote also in December shows that, uh, you know, the occupations that they're coming into, a lot of those are STEM occupations. So science, technology, engineering and and math occupations. And so we're definitely pulling where we have a relative deficit. Now, that deficit comes from two places. It comes because we're growing so fast and companies are moving here. So even if we were doing an excellent job educating our kids here in Texas, we would not be able to match 
uh, the demand, the growth and demand with with our homegrown supply. It just wouldn't be possible because we we have that much growth. Um, but it does, um, you know, it does bring to light the fact that um, we are falling short on on metrics, education metrics. And I think one thing that um, I think is very interesting is um, some of the reforms that the state is considering with regard to community colleges and workforce education. I think that's, you know, one of the solutions. Uh, but then, of course, there's many more things that need to be addressed in higher education. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, one question I have about that is, you know, when you hear about people moving to the state, one of the big reasons you hear is that it is considered a not very expensive state to live, right? Yeah. And um, particularly housing prices, um, you can get a lot more house in Texas than you could in California or New York or places like that. But of course, you know, here in Austin, especially, but in other places, we've seen that change lately. And I, I believe. Um, in Austin and Dallas, we are above the national average for housing prices now. I mean, is there any, should there be any concern about that, my, some of the things that are attracting that migration starting to fade away? I mean, I know some of it is also the regulations and, and things that we've talked about earlier. No, absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head. There are several things that we need to be worried about. When you're relying on for your human capital to come from other places, you have to look at, you know, conditions here, but you also have to look at conditions there. So if you look, you mentioned affordability. Affordability in Texas is way down. And in Austin and Dallas, we're actually less affordable than the national average. So houses have gotten quite a bit more expensive. I don't know, I think in Austin, did they go up house prices on average 60% in the pandemic? So just tremendous uh, change there in the affordability index. And so Texas is a lot less affordable than it used to be. And so that sort of is gonna, you know, weigh on people who are who are who are moving here. Now, of course, compared to the national average is one thing, but if you compare to California, LA, I was just in San Diego, we are still significantly cheaper than those places. Uh, but we're definitely not, uh, you know, as affordable as we used to be. And for the average American, we're, you know, like we said, in Austin and Dallas, we're, we're really not affordable at all when it comes to house prices. So that's one issue. So that might mean that people will be less likely in the future to move here. And so you don't want to set up a growth uh, system where you're depending on in-migration when that can dry up, you know, as, as other amenities and, and conditions change here. The other thing that's changing is that uh, the whole country is aging. And um, with we know that when people age, and especially when they retire, they, they're not going to move. Or if they move, they're going to move to you know Florida. They're not going to move to Texas in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the aging demographic, we're going to have less of a migration impetus into our state um, just by virtue of the fact that the whole nation is getting older, the baby boomers are retiring, uh, birth rates are going down. And so all that's going to affect um, you know, our ability to depend on people moving here. And so that's another reason why we just really need to focus on how we're, you know, you know, how we're educating our, you know, Texans and 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 raising them to to stay and work here. You know, we, we, we talked about housing crisis going up. Of course, they have ticked down a little bit lately in, in, in part due to the, the I mean, in large part due to the rising interest rates. Um, you know, as a as someone who came of age um, in the uh, the 2008 financial crisis, it, it, it gives me a little bit of chills to see that. But of course, 
you know, there's also a lot of kind of relief among people here in Austin in particular to see maybe them that that housing market cool off a little bit. Uh, how much should we be how should we be viewing the kind of slowdown and decline of, of housing prices in Texas? Yeah, so house prices are coming down. They're all off their peaks and, you know, all the major metros. And I think here in Austin, they're close to down 10 percent on average for on the on the median home price from from the peak. So. So they're coming down at a rapid clip. I don't think they're going to continue to fall as quickly, but they probably will continue to fall. They've got a little bit further to go. Um, now, I we don't see it as, I mean, of course, it's bad if you just bought your house. Um, just don't, you know, just don't sell it in the next year or so. You know, you want to stick stick with your house for a while and and then hopefully later refinance and so forth. But But in terms of the impact on the economy, what we're looking at is that, Texas homeowners have so much equity in their homes just because house prices really went up uh, so tremendously in the pandemic. And even before then, they were rising. Um, so so there's a lot of equity in the households, uh, you know, among homeowners. And I think that's really going to help sustain them. You know, if if we get into a slowing economy or a downturn, that home equity, uh, you know, is a good thing. Well, it's going to be an interesting year to watch all these trends. Thank you so much, Pia, for joining us on the podcast. And thank you to our sponsors, Texas State Technical College, Raise Your Hand, Texas, the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, and the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.